This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That excited to bring John Stead to Football CFB today. John has played in the Premier League with Blackburn Rovers. He's played for Sheffield United in the top flight as well. He's also been at incredible clubs such as Huddersfield, Sunderland of course, Ipswich, Bristol City, Notts County and he's now at Harrogate Town as well. John, thanks for joining me. Absolute pleasure. The, the first thing I want to talk to you about, I was saying to you off air, is, is Harrogate Town. The, the journey of the club has been absolutely fantastic when you signed for the club was was it clear that promotion was was the aim or was it one of those seasons where it just happened through hard work and determination and maybe you surprised yourselves um well there was certainly a lot of hard work and determination but um on the surprise part of it I think you know when I went and and spoke to the manager and, and the chairman, you know, when I was thinking about joining the club, the, there was definitely a desire to kind of go a step further than, than the club has ever been historically uh, and go one better on the strong, you know, start to the, um, you know, the previous season. The, you know, they finished in the playoff places and, and narrowly missed out. So I think they wanted to add two or three more, maybe more experienced um, players to the squad. Um, and hopefully, you know, with doing that and keeping the core group that they had the previous season and, and had some good success with, um, it should be enough to get get over the line. And then, you know, in the end, it, it proved right. And it was, a, you know, this last season was a fantastic season for us as a football club um, amidst the um, the chaos that was going going on around the world, I suppose. Well, that's the thing. I watched the documentary on, on BT Sport and I was really really impressed by it and what I was impressed by was the fact that Simon Weaver the manager and you as a group of players were were able to to play really well before Covid obviously happened and then through that uncertainty you were able to stay together as a group and maintain a level of optimism that football would return and then to be fair to, to yourself and the group as soon as it does return you you, you really make it count and and what better way to, to win promotion to the football league at than, than at Wembley against one of your former clubs as well. Yeah, I mean it was incredible. It was a very obviously a very strange time for for all for all the world and the footballing world especially because it was you know unprecedented and to stop the season you know mid season and then everything that went on with the uncertainty. I think that was probably as as a group and as a football club. I mean and players the uncertainty was the difficult bit because literally. Every day there was a different story coming out from from whether it be the National League or the Football League, the Premier League, and and all the stories or all the decisions that were going to be made were changing, you know, literally daily. So there was points where we thought we were going to get promoted automatically because we were sat in the second position um, place in the league when when the stop um, took took place. So then we were thinking the season maybe null and void, which would have been a disaster for us all, you know, and, and a lot of clubs, um, especially lower down the lower down the pyramid, you know, had to deal with that, you know, so we were, we were scared that that might happen. And then as soon as we got the news about the playoffs, we were obviously delighted that we were going to get a chance to actually finish what we started. And yeah, you know, the time that we spent away from the football club and at home, we managed to stick together on zoom calls and, um, you know, did did programs that were making sure we were ticking over with our fitness and and make sure we were ready physically for whenever the time did come that we were ready to get straight back into the training pitch and and work hard and make sure we were firing on all cylinders for for the playoffs and and we managed to do that. The, the, I mean, the, the playoff games, the the semi and the final were, were two of our best performances of the whole season. So you know, we managed to get that that blend right and you know it, it worked out on a a fantastic, you know, sunny afternoon down at Wembley against, like you say, one of my, my old clubs in Notts County, a hugely historic football club. Um, and and us, Harrogate Town, which were pretty much polar opposites, really, when you look at the statues of the clubs. 
Absolutely, that that's what made the, the story even more refreshing. And and when, when you look at Harrogate and you look at Notts County, a lot of people who are, are neutrals maybe to, to football at that level would just see the team, team names and assume, right, Notts County will, will beat Harrogate. But the game was, was, was anything but that. You started really well, the team scores an early goal, you go two up, Notts County get a goal back and, and come back into it then. Yourself, John, you you come on from from the bench with just just under half an hour to go. What was your feeling when you come on to a game of that magnitude at Wembley when you know how much it means to the ownership, to the fans, and to the group of players as well? Yeah, it was it was a massive occasion for me just personally, anyway, because it was Wembley, and I'd, you know I'd been chasing a dream of playing there my whole career, so it was the first time I'd I'd been and, and set foot on the turf. So it was it was a very special moment that. Like you said, with the way the game was going, we, we should have had the game put to bed before half time. You know, we missed a few chances, and I don't think anybody would have been, um, you know, screaming and shouting if we hadn't come in at four nil at half time. You know, it was kind of one of those one of those first half performances, and then when they get the, the goal back in the in the second half, and it's two one, and then you know the tide was kind of turning a little bit. So I'd say I wasn't coming on just to come and enjoy the uh, the occasion and, and play the game, and it was uh, it was quite a tense. Um, part of the match, so you know, I think uh, probably likely brought me to the club really for the, for the experience and and maybe a calmer head. I think that's that's what was needed at, at that time. And, and and you know we went and get the third goal and then we we finish up the game comfortably. But it was um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a tense game. It was exciting, but like I say, for me it was it was a it was an honour and a, and a privilege just to be playing at Wembley. Like I say, something that I'd been chasing a long time. What's the gaffer Simon Weaver like? Because he's been at Harrogate for a long time. He's clearly a big fan of you. After the playoff final, he he mentions you particularly. He says, um, for, for 10 minutes, we started to drop a little bit deep. But John Stead did great when he came onto the pitch. He gave us that bit of class and it was a great way to end the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's lovely to hear things like that from your manager, obviously. Um in the first place, I was disappointed not to be starting the game, so I was probably trying to <laughs> trying to sweeten that a little bit. But uh, he, yeah, he's he's a top guy. He's he's a very um, he's professional, he's thorough, and he's honest. You know, and and that is something that um, you know can be tough to find in football. Um, but over the years, I've I've been involved with it. So yeah, to have somebody like that who's a a, a real um, gentleman and and somebody that is very true to his to his own standards and his own morals and and his own kind of um his own makeup as a human being you know and, and that's the type of players that he's brought in as well all the lads are, are really down to earth hard-working honest footballers and and you know you can see that in the way we play the way our tempo is the way we get about the pitch and you know there's a lot of players in the squad who who haven't played a great deal of league football so the hunger and the appetite to go and better themselves and and progress through the the leagues and, pro- and progress their careers as well um is there in abundance and for somebody like me that's that's perfect to, to coming towards the end of my career you know to have those kind of lads around me you know drives me along as well and it, and it's it's a superb atmosphere to be involved in when the club is promoted to the EFL they're promoted to league 2 did you play a, a, a bigger role than maybe you thought you, you might have when it, when it came to preparing for the new season? Because you, you just mentioned there a lot of the players hadn't played at that level before, whereas you had played obviously at League Two level before, but you'd also played at the very top in the Premier League. So did you have a big part to play in helping shape the mindset for the club this season on the pitch and off the pitch as well? Well, I mean, it, it's hard to say. It, it, I'd like to think so, you know, that, that there's plenty of conversations that I have with, with the players and, you know, obviously I'm, I speak a lot with the manager and, and Paul Thirlwell, the, the assistant as well. And, and we talk about different things and ideas and, 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 and things that I might have seen throughout my career as well. So the players are always open to discussion and they'll come, they'll ask me about certain aspects of the game or, you know, things off the pitch and how things are run and, and you know, what's the norm once they make that step up to, to, to league football and just, you know, what changes. So I think subconsciously I've probably been kind of in that mode really for, for the majority of the season, because they're all things like you say that I've, that I've seen and, and firsthand and, and had a lot of experience with. So it's, um, it's great for the lads to have somebody um, like myself in and around the dressing room where they can 
you know, it's, it's a, an open book. They can come and ask questions and find out what they want. But, um, you know, they're all proactive. They're all, they're all trying to learn as they're going. And, and, you know, sometimes that comes through making mistakes, but they're, they're right there ready to bounce back and, and, and keep moving forward. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a role that I've, I've, I've enjoyed, I, I would say, because obviously you, you, you get to the end of, the end uh, of your career and, and things start slowing down a little bit, but your mind is, is still sharp. And I think uh, that's, that's something that you can, you can pass on to, to others, especially the younger players. Well, fingers crossed it continues to, to go well for the club because it's always nice seeing new teams in, in the football league structure. And I hope that the club can succeed between now and the end of the season and in the long term too. But for yourself, John, to rewind back to the very start, you came through the academy system at Huddersfield Town. What was that like for you? And crucially, were you always a striker? Um, it, well, it was, it was brilliant. It was obviously, it's every kid's dream to go and, and progress through through a youth system and, and, and try and make your way into the first team with it. me being Huddersfield, my hometown club. Um, was, it was a great honour. And I think I'd always been a striker. I didn't start playing football till probably later than than a lot of the the young young players that you see now. I think I was sort of 11, 12 by the time I was playing um, Sunday League and, and then in you know lo- local village football and then into the Huddersfield setup. So um, I didn't have a lot of time to adapt to it. I, I was predominantly a striker. I played on the left-hand side of a, a three up top and, and actually played a little bit of left wing back actually in the, in, in the youth system, just purely the fact that we didn't have a lot of uh, bodies. We didn't have a lot of players to make up an under 17s and a 19s side. So, with it only being a 19 side, with me coming fresh out of school at the age of 16, uh, th- it was difficult to force your way into that side. Having you know, with with another three three years on on the on, on the other lads, so uh, we were short of left footers. So I managed to have decent on my left foot. So I managed to squirm into the team in, in the early days of the youth system to to play left back. But uh, at least it was getting minutes and it was getting me used to the, that competitive football. What was it like when you start training with the first team and you're coming, you're coming up to the first team to maybe make your debut? Because in Huddersfield at that time had had Andy Booth, who no stranger to the club, a striker as well, who had played for the club obviously in two spells. What was it like when you stepped up to the first team? Did you lean on guys like Andy to to help you learn the the ropes as it were? You did a bit, but do you know what? You you were more kind of a little bit scared of everybody and, and a little bit unsure of your surroundings. So I think um, there were probably a lot of things that I wanted to ask or that I was unsure of. Where you probably thought, "Oh no, I'm not. I'm you know, I don't want to risk asking something stupid or, or um, you know, putting your foot in it a little bit." So I think I was probably a little bit cautious, and I went from kind of playing. I didn't play much reserve team football, so I kind of went jumped straight into the first team. But the lucky thing for me was because we were in a, a you know a tough situation surrounding administration and you know it was a difficult period for the club. A lot of the youth system were being thrown in um, as kind of a, a cheap option, but you know knowing that we had a good we had a good core group of players as well, so it was easier because I was stepping in with a lot of lads that I'd, I'd been playing with since I was thirteen. So. It, it, in that respect, it made it a little bit easier and a little bit of a, a, a smoother transition. And in terms of relegation for a football club, it's never it's never something anyone wants to see happen, players, fans, coaching staff, etc. But with hindsight, was the club's relegation beneficial to you in terms of getting you to that next step at Blackburn? Because the club goes down to the old Division 3 or League 2 as we know it now and and you start banging in the goals. I mean, 16 league goals alone um, that really gets the attention of clubs in the Premier League. What was that like for you when, when you were playing, when you were scoring goals and when you became a mainstay in the team at such a young age? Yeah, it, it was really good. I mean, the, the, the previous season to that, when I started scoring the goals, I, mean, I, I still managed to play sort of, I think, 30 or 40 games that season, but it was a relegation season. It was my first season in, in, in you know, professional football. Uh, I think he only got six goals that season. So it was a real kind of like, you know, welcome to, to the men's game. It, it, it was tough. And then everything that happened with the administration and the relegation created quite a big pathway, like I, I, I touched on earlier, for the youth system, for the youth players to be given a chance at, at the first team level. And, you know, I hit the ground running that second season. I had a lot of the players around me who um, I'd played within the youth system 
and then obviously you've got the likes of Andy Booth, who was obviously a big hero of mine when I'm when I'm growing up and I was ball boying at the stadium. So it's uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a mixture of both. But I think 100%, I think the the situation that the club found itself in definitely helped the the youth set up and helped the younger players progress through into the first team. And then banging in goals for me was was unbelievable. And then once I get um, towards Christmas and, and into the new year and and realise that you know the likes of Blackburn Rovers were were looking at me and and before I knew it you know within the space of a week or two I, I was I was you know making my debut for Blackburn up at Middlesbrough and, and scoring in that so it was a, a real real whirlwind and a, a quick transition from from just finding my feet and thinking of you know I'm comfortable in, in league football to jumping straight to the Premier League. Well, well, that's the thing about, about your career, John, that interests myself and so many. The fact that you went from scoring goals in, in League Two to, to immediately making an impact for Blackburn when, when you get to the Premier League. When they were initially interested, what were you thinking at that time? Were you thinking, right, I'll go there. I might not get into the first team right away. Um, I'll pick up a few substitute appearances and try and impress. Did you ever foresee going there and getting into the team from day one? No, not really. No, like I say, I was thinking it's a huge step up for me. One that I'm, you know, completely unsure of whether I can actually make that step. Uh, I was full of confidence, don't get me wrong. And I was, I was excited at the opportunity and, and backed myself. But I'm thinking I'm, I'm going there if I can get in the squad or around the squad um, for the first, you know, for that back end of the season, then fantastic. And if I get any minutes or manage to, to get, you know, a goal or two, then then I'd be doing myself the world of good. So yeah, I was, I was a little bit surprised that I got chucked straight in. I think I only signed on the Monday or Tuesday, and then uh, on the Friday, you know, the, the gaffer was reading out the team, and I, and I was starting for the for the away fixture at Middlesbrough. So it was it was a real um, shock to the system, and and I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe it worked a bit better for me in that respect because I wasn't you know, on the bench or in the squad or in the stands watching game after game and, and you know, wondering when my chance was coming. It was it was presented to me straight away and, and it was a case of, well, you know, you, you're going to have to go and take it. There wasn't there wasn't much time to think about it or doubt or doubt myself over it. And in terms of training, I mean, when you look at that Blackburn team, when, when, when you read it out on paper, it's scary. Two-guy, incredible footballer. You had Amoruso, you had Lucas Neal, um, Paul Gallagher, Scott, Barry Ferguson, of course, good player as well. But you've mm. also got Andy Cole and Dwight York. I mean, just how good was it to learn from two icons of the game? Oh, incredible! I mean, I was completely starstruck as soon as I, you know, walked in the dressing room. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I don't think I looked him in the eye for the first two or three days. You know, I was completely in awe. It was, it was fantastic, and they were, they were, they were both brilliant with me. As, as the other names that you've mentioned, you know, the, the senior pros were fantastic, um, and uh, yeah, and Collie and York would would just very different characters in in the mannerisms, in the way they, in the way they spoke to you, and but uh, but both equally. You know, open and uh, and and helpful, and I think the the you know they both put their arm around me and made sure that I was comfortable. And you know, I, I, Yorkie was one of those. I mean, well, you've seen the kind of character that he is. You know, always smiling, um, joking. You know, having a good laugh. Coley was very serious, and and a you know. He wouldn't come out of his way to come and speak to me, but as soon as I asked him a question or something, he would he would spend you know a lot of time um, and and take attention to it and and you know and fill me in. So it was they were they were both perfect for me and like to have two stars like that in your dressing room and and you know that you can approach and, and speak to was was superb, especially for me being a young a young pro. See those two guys, they've achieved so much in the game. Would they still be practicing things like penalties or free kicks after training? Uh, York, Yorkie probably more than than Coley. Yorkie was, you know, he'd, he'd always be um, finishing and, and doing different tricks. as you know the skillful player that he was. Um, Coley was probably less so, but I don't know whether that was the, the situation that he was kind of in. You know, when I joined Blackburn, I, I don't think he was getting on too well with Graham Souness, and you know, he wasn't playing as much football. So I don't know whether that affected what he was doing and it, and it like you say he was, he was coming towards the end of his career but the, the way the approach training in general um you wouldn't notice the difference between you know the likes of those two or, or a young pro you know giving it everything you know they, they were really were good trainers very very professional um and and dedicated to to learning even you know when they've done what they've done in the career and 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 seem to have all the knowledge 
How did you find Graham Souness as a manager? Because in the spell that you worked with him, especially in that initial part when you go in in the January, February time, I mean, you, you have some impact. You're, you're scoring winning goals against massive teams. I mean, you mentioned scoring against Middlesbrough. You also score vital winners against Fulham and Manchester United. Just what was it that Graham Souness, the group, and crucially yourself were able to get out of you to, to, to make such an immediate impact at the elite level? I, I think I was kind of, I was re- I was riding off the the wave of of the season that I'd I'd started really I'd, I I just saw it as I've been scoring you know regularly at Huddersfield and I was in that kind of striker's vein where you know you, you believe you're going to score every time you set foot on the pitch and everything I was hitting seemed to be going in uh, so I just kind of carried on from that and and like I touched on I think because I didn't have a big gap or a kind of stutter in my season. It was almost, even though I changed clubs, it didn't really disturb my, my weekly football. So I've almost gone from, you know, playing for one team on a Saturday to playing for another team on the next Saturday. So it wasn't, I didn't have to slow down or or take a take a step step back or, or, or rest. I was just thrown straight into it. And I think that was probably the biggest thing. Graham soon has showed a huge amount of confidence in me and taking me to the club and, you know, huge gratitude for him to for doing that because it was a it was a big move for you know for for Blackburn uh, in the kind of in the relegation you know areas in difficult season uh, the risk of going out of the Premier League to go and show that faith in a, in an unknown um, young player from the lower divisions takes takes a lot of balls and and you know I was very very lucky that that he did that um, for me so um, I I instantly um, had a good relationship with him and, and wanted to wanted to prove him right really. Well, that, that contribution you make in you know, 0304 when, when you come in is something that Blackburn fans don't forget. Um, Rovers Chat are, are, are obviously a big Blackburn Rovers website and podcast, and I know they, mm. they, they speak very highly of you. One of the writers for Football CFB also does a bit of stuff for them, and they, they absolutely love you up there. The 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 second season that the the first full season for you, if you like, Graham Souness leaves and is replaced by Mark Hughes, what was that transition like for you? And then also, what was it like working with Paul Dickoff this time as the experienced striker? Yeah, it, it was different. I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't get on great with Mark Hughes. I, I was expecting, obviously, like you know, another renowned, you know, name in the game and a fantastic player and a striker as well. You know, I was kind of rubbing my hands together. When uh, when I saw he was coming in as manager, but then it just we just didn't click. We didn't, you know, really. Not that we didn't get on, but we just I just didn't get that instant bond which I had with with Graham Souness, and I think that probably affected my continuation of what I was doing as a player. And then it ended up being a, a difficult time, but the the players were still fantastic. You know, the likes of you know Paul Dickoff was was a, a brilliant character and a, a real again a, another player towards the end of his career, but you know, the drive and the hunger to go and work every day was, was fantastic. And that's something that as a younger player, you do feed off and you watch what they're doing and think, you know, that's what it takes day in, day out. So that was great to have that. I've got to ask you about um, a previous guest of the show, Morton Gams Pedersen. He was, he was, he was young at that time when he came in. What was he like as a player to play with? Because an exceptional, exceptional set piece he could take and deliver a great cross as well. Uh, I mean that left foot. Well, both foot, both feet really dynamite. You know, he could strike a ball and he, it would, he'd have movement and whip and pace and power to it. It was, it was brilliant. You know, and a, and a great lad as well. He, um, you know, really always smiling, really friendly character. Um, a bit suspect with his dress sense and some of the things that he used to wear, but uh, but he, he he was great and and like you say, you know, phenomenal talent and and ended up having a fantastic career at Blackburn and played a you know a heck of a lot of games and and produced some unbelievable goals that that stand out. When Mark Hughes makes it clear he wants to bring someone like a Craig Bellamy in towards the end of the season, is it clear for you at that point, the fact that, as you say, for whatever reason, it just didn't click between both of you, that for you it was time to move on and, and have a fresh challenge elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd felt that really a, a lot sooner. Um, I'd asked a few times if I could go out on loan and get some games and he uh, he, he didn't want me to do that, which I, which I found a bit strange. So I think once... Once that happens, you kind of know the writing's on the wall a little bit, and and you know as, as soon as the the chance came to go to Sunderland, you know I I wanted to jump at it because I knew Mick McCarthy had been chasing me for 
for 18 months previous and you know he'd been watching me while I was at Huddersfield as well so it, it felt like a you know the perfect move for me to you know continue uh, my, my Premier League career. You joined Sunderland. You mentioned Mick McCarthy there. I've been lucky to speak to to, to Tommy Miller, who of course played in in that yeah. Sunderland team. And and whenever you speak to, to to players within that team, they always just say that it was it was just a really tough tough season. Obviously, Mick leaves in the February. Kevin Ball has a spell as caretaker as well. It's what do you think went wrong in in that season from your perspective? Because it wasn't for a lack of trying. No, well. Oh, it's the million dollar what did what didn't go wrong I think that season it was um yeah in, individually it was tough for everybody myself included you know we weren't performing at the levels that we we should do and, and that we had been doing it at our respective clubs that we'd been at so it was uh yeah it was a tough one we we, ne- we were never getting battered that was the only thing we we were losing games don't get me wrong we, you know we, we didn't get anywhere near enough points to stay in the division but we, we weren't getting turned over. Um, and I think that that was a frustrating thing. We, we were always in games, um, you know, and, and in contention, but but not scoring enough goals, uh, myself in, included. And, and uh, yeah, we, we all just found it a very difficult season. And, you know, everybody did, the, the whole football club, the supporters and everybody, it was, it was real dire times and you just didn't know where a win was coming from. And, and I think Mick probably felt the same and, and, and probably a, a bit let down by his, by his players as well um and I've I've spoken about this before you know that that's that's the kind of regret in football for me is not not repaying that because I and like I say I knew he'd been chasing me for a long time and it you know to for him to to get me to the club finally and then for it not to work and I mean not do you know what I was capable of is you know it hurts a bit that and I think he was it was probably the um the casualty really on on players that he brought in not doing what they was what they were brought to do really and for yourself, I mean, it didn't work out at Sunderland on the park, but how would you sum up the Sunderland fans? Because they're incredibly passionate. And and to be fair to them, they're fans that even if even if something's not going well, if they can see you trying and, and working hard for them, they'll still remember you fondly. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think passion's probably an understatement. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a life it's um it's a lifestyle it's a it's a way of life football up there and you know they're extremely devoted to the football club and 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 you're right i think you know if you if you're working hard and you're showing that you've got that same passion and drive and commitment um to the team then they, they do take it easy on you i mean you know i, I mean i don't get me wrong i got some absolute pelters while while i was up there because i wasn't performing but i think they could always see that I was I was trying and I was as frustrated and and disappointed with with my performances, um, not so much my performances but my lack of goals, uh, as they were. So I think yeah I think you're right. I think they can see that they've they've got that grit and determination and they want to see um, players really giving everything for their football club because because that's what it is. It's it's the fans' football club up there. They they completely um, make Sunderland what they are. You know the support. That's it. So. Yeah, a, a tough one, but you know you, you do get an easier ride if you if you put yourself about and, and show William. The club goes down. Niall Quinn initially looks as if he's going to be in charge, but quite quickly into the season, Roy Keane is the man instilled as the manager. Why did you end up going to Derby at the time that you did? Because when Roy comes in, was he a sort of manager that you thought, "Wow, I'll be able to play under him because he's a passionate football man, just like myself." Yeah, I, I did. I, I did think that, but I think obviously Royal assessed the, the squad beforehand and, and looked at what had happened with me, you know, the, the lack of goals and, and straight away had been looking at areas where he needed to make changes. So I think he, he, he made it very clear. He was honest and, and you know, that's that's what you want from a manager. He said, look, you, I'm looking to bring players in. You, you're not going to get much game time. What do you think about going out on loan? And I, I said, well, I said, well, you know, it's not even a question, is it really? You know, I need, I need to be going and getting games if, if, if that's going to be the case here. So, um, so yeah, I had a couple of options and then decided to go to Derby and, and you know, I ended up having a real, you know, a good spell there and, and enjoyed my time. And off the back of that, if I hadn't been to Derby, the, you know, the, the Sheffield United move probably wouldn't have turned up. And in terms of Derby, you, you mentioned the fact that you enjoyed it. You were playing good football, nominated for a, a Player of the Month award quite early into your, your Derby career, which showcases that. What was it like playing under Billy Davis? Because he's someone who, from the outside looking in, just seems like one of the most passionate men in the world. 
yeah he is he is intense i'll i'll give him that but um i actually i actually quite liked the, the way he was i mean he, he was very driven and and uh, always always seemed angry you know an air of anger in his voice and his mannerisms but um you know he, he was he was really keen on set pieces and stuff and everything was meticulously planned and you know we worked on things you know tirelessly on the training ground and it paid off you know and you know the club and you know not while I was there but ended up getting promoted and um yeah we were grinding grinding results out a lot of one nils and a good group of players and and yeah a manager that was like you say driven passionate and uh and yeah it was fun to work for the the Sheffield United move comes at the the end of that loan spell at Derby. Just how did it feel when you signed for Sheffield United? Because they get into the Premier League. Neil Warnock is the manager as well. Was it was it a time for you that you thought I'm going to get stuck into this because there's nothing better than getting another opportunity at the highest level of football? Yeah, that's it. I felt I felt lucky to be honest. I I think after what had happened at Sunderland, well, the back end at Blackburn and then Sunderland. I think I was at a point in my career when I'm thinking, you know, where where do I go next from here? You know, what what's next for me? I, I was struggling a bit to to figure out where my, my path would take me. So to get that opportunity and for for the you know the gaffer there to to give me that was was a lifeline really. And and I and I I probably saw it as that as well. And I, and I, I took that into my into my play and managed to get my goals and stuff. Um, even when I was I was going down to sign and I was uh, sat in the office and and signing the paperwork and stuff with with uh with neil and he, he saw he was chuckling to himself when he, he just looked up at me and said he said god bloody hell steady I, I bet you never thought you'd get a deal like this again did you <laughs> like that you know almost joking about it as well so he um it made me feel very at ease straight away and he was he was a fantastic character to work for and you know he, he got my career back on track and you know i had a fan you know, an amazing time at Sheffield United. Absolutely loved it there. Uh, loved the, the club, loved the supporters um, and and all the staff and players. It was, it was a great place to be. And I'm still, you know, very close with, with a lot of the players that were there and I know a lot of the staff that are working with the academy even now and I'm still in close contact. So, it, yeah, it was a, it's a fantastic club, Sheffield United. In your career with the move from Huddersfield to Blackburn and the move to Sheffield United, both times you move in that January window, what, what's that like when, when you do that? You mentioned earlier with the Blackburn move that you felt like you were riding the crest of a wave from Huddersfield, obviously, to Blackburn. Was it different when you joined Sheffield United? Did you did you have, was it more like a reset when you joined them? Um, a little bit, but because I was coming off the back of a, a decent spell at Derby, I was kind of getting myself going again. Uh, but then to be jumped to jump straight back into the Premier League, that was obviously like a, another big um, kind of step for me again to be back in the Premier League, where I, I honestly thought you know my chances of getting back there would be very very slim. So to to have that probably gave me that boost of extra confidence that I needed, and um, because I managed to score quite early on again, that just helped me settle me down, and and I, and I felt comfortable and. And um, yeah, things started moving in the right direction again for me, which, you know, as soon as that starts happening, you, you kind of get the wheels turning. It's difficult at first, but then once you get going, um, I was again rolling into games and, and playing plenty of football, which which was perfect for me. A very simplistic question, John, but one that I'm desperate for your insight on. What's it like scoring a goal in the Premier League? I know it's very childish and simplistic, but for someone <laughs> like me who watched, who's grown up watching the Premier League and watching the various eras, what's it like to not only play in it, but score a goal in it as well? It's, it's just, you know, it's a very, very difficult answer to give, I suppose. It's... Um... It, it's it's just a it's a boy a dream, isn't it? You know, it's 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 so it's it's one of the biggest things you could ever have in your career for me. It's you know, Premier League is just the pinnacle. Um and I knew it was always going to be the pinnacle of, of my career. I knew I was never going to be in a World Cup or anything silly like that. I knew that the Premier League was was who you watched. It's the teams that you watched as a as a kid growing up and to score and to celebrate knowing that you're doing that in in a, in a Premier League football match is, is incredible. And, you know, even like some of the things that I've got from, from games and stuff, you know, they used to do the big kind of man of the match bottles, didn't they? You know, the massive bottles of champagne with the big sticker on the front. And, you know, I've, I've, I've managed to get a few of those. And even though when I look at those now, it's just, you know, you, you realise, you know, it's the Premier League. It's, and I mean, it's grown, in, you know, uncontrollably since, since I was playing in the Premier League, you know, the, how it's moved forward is incredible. Uh, so, I think 80 odd 
appearances I made in the Premier League is, is something that I'm extremely proud of. I've, I want to be careful with how I ask this question because I know it's something that, that any fans of Sheffield United will still be absolutely fizzing over, and rightly so, in my opinion. I know what you're going to say, yeah, yeah. The, the relegation <laughs> for the club, given the the situation that was going on with Carlos Tevez at West Ham United, is, is that something that even to this day, you're 37, John, is that something that even to this day still irks you? Because... If you look at that as, for me, as a football fan from the outside looking in, I don't support Sheffield United. That's just what, what happened in the situation to me is wrong. And I know the club technically got some compensation in terms of money, but you couldn't possibly say that made up for not being in the Premier League. Uh, 100%. It still still gets my back up, even now, just thinking about it. In fact, I, a couple of days ago, I flicked... Um, Sky Sports on and and it was that year you know the Premier League years and I, it was funny as I turned it on I was literally getting knocked out when I scored a header against Wigan on that last day of the season and then they were jumping to the other grounds and obviously jumped to to Old Trafford where where West Ham were were playing and you know and, and Tevez scores in that game you know and they, and they beat them one nil you know and, and then United go and lift the trophy and and where um where at Bramall Lane and, and you know and we're getting relegated it was. Oh, it, it's just frustrating because like you say the, you know, I think the club did get I mean, 50, 60 million, I don't know, something like that but as players you know, to lose that Premier League status and for me that had been a you know, tough journey to get me back to the Premier League um, and then to, and to be performing in the Premier League again, to have it taken away almost out of our hands was, was such a difficult you know, bitter pill to swallow and, and, it's, and it's still there now and, and I, don't, I don't think it'll ever go the club gets relegated to the championship, as we've said, through just circumstances that we both agree are, are crazy. You go down there, Neil Warnock decides to leave the club. Brian Robson comes in as, as manager. What was your initial reaction when someone of that ilk walks in? You would some big managers before and, and Graham Souness and, and, and Mark Hughes, but there's something special about Robson, an aura almost. Oh yeah, absolutely. But um, the similar sort of aura to like a Keane, um, you know, or a Souness really, just a you know, a, a fantastic player um, and, a, and a huge name as well. So when he, we knew he was coming in, I was obviously buzzing, couldn't, you know, couldn't wait and still, still hurt and disappointed that, that the Neil had left because, you know, he was, he, he still is, you know, him and Peter Jackson are two, you know, favourite managers I've, I've worked for throughout my career. So, um, yeah, it was sad, to, very sad to see him go. But obviously, someone like Brian Robson coming in, we're, we're all thinking, you know, this is fantastic. What a huge, um, you know, call for the club. When you look at that time at Sheffield United, not only did you have Neil, who, as you've mentioned, was a manager you really admire, Brian, of course, is a big name on the managerial side too, but as players, I mean, James Beattie joins the club, who was a forward-thinking player, um, who'd played in the Premier League for a number of years, Lee Hendry as well, the, the late Gary Speed, of course, was 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 at the club, club Keith Gillespie. What was it like when, when you were playing alongside those characters? Because for some of them, they were at the, the sort of twilight years of their career. What were they like? They were brilliant. You know, brilliant. I was, you know, good pals with with um, with Speedo, obviously. He was the ultimate professional. I've spoken about this. You know, he, he would be the, the front of all the running, you know, even at the age he was when, when I was playing with him at the front of all the running, um, on the training field, you know, last one off, a real dedicated to his profession and, and a, a lovely, lovely guy as well, really got on well with him. Um, and Beats, I'm still really pally with Beats even to this day. I was speaking to him yesterday, you know, he's he, he's a real, a real lively, you know, salt of the earth character and and was brilliant I mean it wasn't great for me in football terms because he came and pretty much <laughs> took my place but as a, as a guy you know superb and and Lee and you know injured the same and the, yeah just just all good honest people the types types of characters that you want in a dressing room um but they have that quality to go with it as well so we had we had a good group um really good group on, on and off the pitch one of the games I want to talk to you about to sort of illustrate how important the fans are at Bramall Lane is the FA Cup game against Manchester City. You win 2-1 at home and you got on the score sheet as well. Just sum up what it was like playing in front of those fans because when you hear the, the Chip Butty song, it's just incredible. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Yeah, you know, the cop end when they're singing that, you know, kick off, it's, 
it does the you know hairs on the back of the neck stand up and it yeah it's a, a a great place to go and play and I think I think this season especially they'll 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 have missed massively having the supporters there um, in in especially in the difficult time that they're, they're having at the moment so yeah the the sooner they can get back there the better really for the for the football club as a whole but yeah an, an incredible place to to play football and you know that was a, a tremendous game that you know it was a very interesting game with the balloons on the pitch if you i don't know if you can remember but the uh, they ended up getting in the way a bit and, and aided us in in Luton Shelton i think it was scoring the other goal um in in that victory so yeah it was a great place to play um and you know chances when i've had chance to go back i still live in huddersfield so i'm not far from sheffield so whenever i get a chance to to get over and, and sit in the stand and and, and watch the games I, you know I've, I've done so from sheffield united to ipswich you initially go to ipswich under jim Bajilton, which again i'm interested to get your perspective on jim but what was it like when jim leaves and then roy Keane comes in a manager who you'd obviously worked with briefly before yeah, well, yeah, you can imagine what I thought <laughs> after it. Um, it made it quite clear that uh, I wasn't going to be involved at Sunderland. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, loved working under Jim. You know, had a real good style of football that Ipswich were playing at, at that time, a real sort of total soccer, and um, he was a big part of you know instilling that into the football club. And it and it was a great place to go and play. Uh, and then obviously when he leaves, then Roy comes in, and you know, I was uh, started packing my bags pretty much straight away, thinking that uh, you know my my time's going to be limited there. And although I played a you know I played some games for him and. And, and actually got on really well with him by the time I was leaving the club and we, we both knew it was the right decision. Um, but yeah, just a, a bit frustrating because I'd, I'd, I'd had a couple, you know, I've had, I'd had some time at Ipswich and scored some goals, you know, and, and, and was, was doing well really. So it was disappointing to see a change. And in terms of Keane, was, was he different at all when he arrived at Ipswich or was he quite similar to the way he was at Sunderland? I'd say it was quite similar. I don't think he he, he changed much. Um, he the the training and everything was was very similar, and and his demeanour and um, the way he was with the players and stuff was very similar. So yeah, I, I didn't see much um, differences really. And in terms of that era, am I right in saying that you were close to joining Blackpool when they were in the Premier League as well? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I went up and. And spoke to it was Ian, Ian Holloway, uh, the manager, and, and went up and, and had a chat with him, and, and I think they did, the club had a, agreed a fee. Um, but uh, at, at that point in my career, they were only giving out one-year contracts at, at Blackpool. I, don't, I think it was part of their policy um, with them being, you know, in, in the Premier League, and um, I needed a bit more security than that. So that was that was pretty much the only reason that I didn't sign up there really, and then obviously um, signed for Bristol City. So, absolutely. You mentioned Bristol City. You have a load at Coventry before then going to, to Bristol City on a permanent basis. And the reason that Bristol City intrigues me as a club, especially around that time, is because you, you, you had an interesting situation where you initially go over a few managerial changes in the first year. And then you work with Derek McInnes, who obviously mm. being from Scotland is, is, is one of the, the more highly regarded managers in the Scottish game. But for whatever reason, it just didn't work for Derek down south. Why do you think that was? And I know, and and I have the same thing because obviously I I got on really well with with um, with Derek really well and and loved working for him and was was close with him uh, and Doc his assistant you know and I've, I've seen you know since they've they've been away and, and obviously up at Aberdeen and stuff and and they've shown what they're about you know they've they've shown what I what I saw but it just didn't click and I don't know whether that's because of maybe there was a difference to the style of football or maybe there wasn't quite an understanding of the the players that were down here. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't work for him. And, it, and it's a shame because like I say, I've got a you know, huge amount of respect for, for both of them. Um, and uh, you know, it'd have been fantastic for it to work out because. And in terms of, the... Oh, sorry. In, 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 in terms of, again, <laughs> some of the big names that have, have, you've played with in, in these situations, what was it like playing with, with David James? Is he the sort of guy that when you beat him in training, he would be absolutely livid because he just loved keeping clean sheets? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he was a, a strange character at times. He was, um, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's obviously a very a very intelligent uh, man and, and quite... Um, I don't want to say strange. He's not strange, but he's a very interesting character. You know, he'll he'll 
he'll come out with with weird things and um, he'd wear strange stuff to come to training. The, uh, I think he had a little transit van that he was coming to training with um, for a little bit that I'd, I think it had um, loads, loads of fishing gear in the back and, you know, in his footwell of his passenger seat, there'd be about 15, you know, used teacups and stuff. So he, he was, um, yeah, he was just a really interesting guy, but um, fiercely competitive, um, as you'd imagine, and would not be afraid to, to show his displeasure at, at uh, conceding at any point uh, during the week, never mind just on a match day. You're a forward-thinking player and, and another forward-thinking player that you've played with who... I really like as a footballer, and he was linked with Blackpool, funnily enough, as well, when they were in the Premier League. Brett Pittman, what was he like as a player? Because he's still playing well now at Portsmouth. Yeah, a goal scorer, you know, a real, um, had a lovely technique, at, you know, striking a ball, real clean striker of the ball, and um, had a knack of being in the right place at the right time and, and can definitely score goals. And he, he was brilliant at, uh, at Bristol City and he's gone on and, and had a fantastic career. So, yeah, he, he was he was quite quiet off the pitch, um, you know, kept himself to himself a little bit, but um, a, a lovely kid and, and, like I say, a goal scorer. With Bristol City, the, the, the second season um, under Derek before he leaves the club and is replaced by Sean O'Driscoll was, was quite difficult. Towards the end of that season, when it was time for, for you to maybe look at a new challenge, did it make sense to, to go back to Huddersfield because it's an area and, and a club that you've got such an attachment to? Yeah, well, um, yeah, it was it was a time in, in my sort of life and family life, really, that we were looking to move back closer to home uh, to, to various family members and with us having a young family as well. So it was always kind of the, where I wanted to be um, back around the Huddersfield area. I mean, if it was going to be Huddersfield, then it'd be, you know, the icing on the cake. I'd, I'd spoken to um, Barnsley and, and there was a possibility of, of me coming there. But, you know, once I knew Huddersfield were interested, then... You know, I, I jumped at the opportunity, and and you know, I was I was buzzing to be back, and and obviously, you know, I had a couple of good moments with with the club, um, scoring a, the winner against Leeds. You know, probably the big highlight, but um, it never just really it never really happened for me, and I didn't quite get um, get as many games as I'd hoped, and then and ended up moving away again on loan. So it was um, yeah, a strange homecoming, but one that I don't regret. You mentioned those loans initially, Oldham, but we need to talk about the Bradford spell because Bradford were a side that consistently under Phil Parkinson had showcased their incredible ability to cause cup upsets. Obviously, Phil got them to the to the League Cup final, but a memorable game is, is is when you when you beat Chelsea away four two in the FA Cup. I mean, just what was that like? Oh, incredible. So probably the the only game. Um, of my whole career where for me personally it was just one of those it, it just everything worked for me in that game you know I, did, I didn't really put a foot wrong and it was a, probably the most complete well definitely the most complete performance that I've that I've had on a football pitch and it it happened to be against Chelsea you know on on that kind of stage so it couldn't have worked any better for me personally and the club as a whole to get to get that kind of ups you know make a cup upset like that and and go down there. I mean, they were. I think they were unbeaten for for over a calendar year or something at home. And Mourinho there, and the the players that they had playing for them. It was just an unbelievable occasion, um, and something now that you know regularly speak about it with with various Bradford supporters. You know, and the, everybody knows exactly where they were, whether they're at the game or or watching or listening somewhere else. And it, it's a, a huge achievement and and one that brought a lot of you know joy to a lot of uh, a lot of people. Did Mourinho come into the dressing room to congratulate everyone after the game? Yeah, he did. Yeah, came came straight. And well, I, I wasn't sure what happened because he just went deathly silent, and I was, you know, kind of sat up and, and lifted my head up and and had a look. And and, and Mourinho stood there and he, he congratulated us as a team. He said we fully deserved the victory. Um, you know, he, he shook everybody's hand. You know, every single person, staff, players, whoever was in that room, he went round, shook the shook the hand individually and congratulated them and. And then as, as he was wandering around, just kind of muttering to himself, big balls, big balls. <laughs> you, you all have big <laughs> balls. And that wasn't that wasn't because anybody had the towels off or anything. That was, I think that was uh, <laughs> that was it. speak speaking about our, our courage and determination to go and, and get a result. So it was, yeah, it was a nice touch that. And it was um, you know, it showed the class of him because I'm sure he was absolutely fuming inside. 
Oh, brilliant. And in terms of Bradford as a whole, was was there ever a temptation for you to, to stay at the club on a permanent basis? Yeah, well, that was that was what I was expecting to happen, to be honest. And um, I was trying to get a deal sorted uh, and trying to get something over the line. And, and we just couldn't, couldn't get it there, really. And, and that was the case. It was, um, I wanted two years again. Obviously, this is, you know, even further down my career. So the uh, longer you know, contract was obviously a big thing when you get into your thirties and, you know, again, it, it wasn't there for me. So I, you know, I had to look elsewhere and, and ended up, um, you know, moving, dropping a division, which I didn't really want to do um, to drop down to lead two, but, um, you know, I ended up having a, having a, a really good and long spell at, at Notts County. In terms of Notts County, we, we, we know that now they're, they're a side that are a massive club, but they're in obviously non-league football now, which, which shocked a lot of people at the time. What was your spell at the club like in, in the first few years? Because you were scoring regular goals, you were a mainstay in the team, which, which any striker or any footballer wants. And crucially, you'd, in the first season, you had a, a, couple of, a couple of managers. Second season, another couple, ending, of course, with, with Kevin Nolan. What, what, what was it like in and around the club in those first two years? Uh, very, very turbulent, you know, a, a real roller coaster of things that are happening at the club. I mean, the first couple of years, we've, we've had a diff, difficult first season. I'd, I'd been scoring goals and stuff, and I was, I was quite happy with my performances. But as a club, we worked quite clicking and like you say changes of managers I mean the, the manager situation while I was there for four years was a was a complete you know a bit of a disaster a revolving door really you know managers coming and going and and owners as well and, and you know changes in the club so it was a difficult time but um, you know the, the second season we, we get to the playoffs and you know you know narrowly miss out against Coventry in the playoffs and you know we're looking at a positive start to the third season and then and then you know, it, it doesn't start well for us and then it's all change again. So it was, uh, the best way I can describe it is, is roller coaster. It, we, there was a lot of things, you know, going on behind the scenes and, um, and, and tough tests, I think, not just for us as players, but for the, for the club and the staff as well. In terms of managers, I need to ask you about Kevin Dolan. What was he like as a manager? And crucially, when he brings Shola Ambiobi into the club with him, what was he like with yourself too? Oh, the, they're both. Unbelievable, honestly. Kevin Nolan was was class, absolute class. Um, still, still in contact with him now. He's just a, a, a real. Um, he, he's very similar to to a Sam Allardyce. So the the way that they work, you could see that they worked together. Obviously, with the spell that they had at Bolton, um, and you know, really. <sighs> Not basic football because it wasn't, you know, there was a lot more to it than that. But I think the principles and, you know, were very simple and easy for players to understand. And I think down in the, the lower divisions, I think that's that's generally the way to go because you, you're going to get the best and have clear messages to your players. And and we all bought into it and, and had a strong season. So he was brilliant. We already had the likes of Alan Smith there, who, again, you know, obviously a, a you know, a legend of the game, and and then Shola comes in, and and he's he's just like the father figure to everybody. You know, he he was just superb off the off the pitch. He was he was a gentleman. He was he was helpful. He was you know couldn't do couldn't do enough for you. Uh, and then on the pitch, he was a beast as well. And it was it was great to play up front with him. With the Notts County fans, they they will of course be listening to this and they'll be very angry that the club went from Kevin Nolan finishing fifth, really pushing to get promoted to, to League One to, to eventually then being relegated to the conference. It was turbulent mm. behind the scenes, as everyone knows. There was there was stories, obviously, with the, the ownership at the time, uh, obviously, with certain things mm. that were going on in, in and around. <laughs> <laughs> we, we both know what went yeah. on. Um, <laughs> What was it like for you, for you as players in that in that season where the club was relegated? Because from the outside looking in, it just it just seemed like an absolute shambles. Well, yeah, that's kind of how we were looking at it as well, and it was it was tough because as as players, it it's very it can go either way. Really, you can kind of say, well, you know, we're here to play football you know, all the stuff that's happening around the club and, and uh, you know, above the football side and in, in the boardroom and stuff, all that doesn't concern us really. We need to concentrate on play on playing, which is which is a good way to look at it, but it's very, it's very in practice, it's very difficult. Um, I think you're always wondering coming into to training, you know, what, what was going to happen day to day. Um, 
the, the best thing about the football inside is that you're secure. You know, your jobs are secure, um, even if there's, you know, like we did and, and with the administrations and, and the changes in of ownership, you, you've pretty much covered as a player. I mean, if you're working in the, in the offices or, you know, the ground staff and everybody, it's a very different story and, and a worry for them. So um, you, you almost carry that, or, or I did. I felt like I carried that a lot. I don't know whether it's because I was older and more experienced and, you know, each individual have, have different ways of looking at it. But every time I walk through the, the office to, you know, to get in and have a cup of tea or whatever, you know, in the morning, you're just thinking, you know, if we don't, you know, we're, we're causing this somehow and, and we're the ones that can get get us out of it so it was obviously the relegation relegation was devastating and it was for everybody at the football club you know myself included the staff um so yeah it's, it, it was tough and, and I think you feel that and I think it's, it's tough to stick stick you know keep away from that side of it and concentrating on playing it's easy to say it but like I say it's very difficult to do we talked at the start of the show about Harrogate and 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 how well it's going at the moment I don't want to make you feel old, but 38 at the end of the season, John. <laughs> plans to play to 40, plans to go into coaching management. What what does the future hold for you? Uh, I've not completely made up my mind yet. Um, I've I don't I'm not sure if I've got another um another two seasons in me, that's for sure. Uh, I'll have to wait and see. I think I'm gonna make a decision probably into the new year and, and see what I want to do. My contract's up at the end of the season, so um I might be looking at at uh, hanging up the boots you I'm not sure yet I've not really made that decision yet but um I've got things that I want to do obviously my coaching I've done my B license I've, I've my applications in to do my A license in the summer uh, and I'm also looking at some sort of further education stuff around the the sports directorship side of it as well so I've got things that I want to do so if, it, if I'm not playing then I'll, I'll be certainly keeping busy and, and staying in and around the game um, or if I decide to have another season playing then if somebody will have me then I'll I'll you know I'll, I'll fit it in around it so um, I'll, I'll be certainly busy like I say. Just before you go a few quick fire ones for you best players you played with? Uh, bet well the best player two guy by a by a, quite a comfortable distance really he was superb right towards the end of his career but still a you know an absolute magician on the ball. What would he be like in training? Um, because the the players that I've spoken to just said that the most laid back guy in the planet. Oh uh, yeah, and that, that's exactly right. <laughs> He's um yeah never flustered, never panicked, uh, and that showed in the way he played. You know, and he never never worried when he's on the ball, you know, complete control in every situation when the ball's around him. Um, he used to nip in for a couple of fags just before the kickoff in the, in the boot room at Blackburn before he used to play. And then I think he used to have one at half time as well. So yeah, he just completely chilled out um, and completely assured and confident in his abilities. Toughest opponent? Uh, toughest opponent was Jamie Carragher. Uh, he... Although not the biggest centre half, the the ag aggression and kind of the knowledge of the game, his positioning was fantastic. He, he knew, you know, where I'd be running before I did. You know, one of those, and he was, um, you know, very vocal and 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 really off-putting. Really, so I, I found it really difficult to play against him. Most underrated player you played with? Ooh, underrated. Oh. That's a tough one. That that's that's not a quick fire answer. That one. <laughs> um, underrated. Probably. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's underrated, but I think Paul Gallagher was an extremely gifted footballer and a young player. And I know, kind of, when we both ended up kind of making our breakthrough into the Blackburn side at, the, at similar times I think I got probably a bit more of the um, sort of limelight because I was actually scoring maybe more goals but a lot of that was down to how he played as, as a football really intelligent player and I think you've seen you see it now I mean you know his career that he's had since then and you know his spell that he's had at Leicester um, and then at uh, Preston as well you know he's, he's a top top footballer and one who I think could have played at the higher level for longer I know he's had a predominantly championship and Premier League career, but I think he could have played in the Premier League for, for longer. Other than the clubs you played for, favourite ground you ever played at? Uh, well, funnily enough, my favourite ground was Highbury. Um, 
just just because of the how compact it was and you know the fans were almost on the pitch and the atmosphere was brilliant I mean we, we got absolutely torn to pieces when I played there I think it was in the invincible year so we we got absolutely battered and um but uh yeah as as far as grounds go and, and and how excited I was to play there and and play on that kind of historic stage was yeah probably there did you have a bogey ground, a particular ground, a club that when you played against, you thought, oh, no, it just doesn't work out for whatever reason? Um, probably, yeah, I've probably got more than one, to be, to be fair. Um, probably Newcastle. I think that was probably only, probably one, really, because when I was at Sunderland, obviously, the, it's the big derby against Newcastle and... We uh, we didn't fare very well in any of them that I was in, I was involved in or, or on the bench or or in the squad. So yeah, probably Newcastle. Although I did score against them, I think my second game for for Blackburn, but that was at Ewood Park. In your career, John, last question: Did you ever get a chance to play in Scotland or a chance to play abroad? Um, in Scotland, no, um, no, I've, I've never really. Um, had any firm interest from Scotland, then that's not to say it's it's something that I would have certainly looked at um, if it had come along. Uh, and abroad, um, only America really. Um, I was close to going out to um, out to California uh, while I was coming towards the end of my career at Notts County, um, but that didn't materialise um, because you know everything that was happening at the club, it wasn't the right time for me to. To be to be leaving, so yeah. Apart from that, not a lot really um, of, of other interests are anywhere else. Brilliant, John. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, no problem. Anytime, mate. So we'll dive down to the ocean, and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave, and our shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song. They'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to ocean and we'll make her home in a deep sea cave and her shells will all be open they'll be filled with song they'll be